0: Yeah, that real inner throat.
1: Tell me what you're okay. This is so.
0: This is Pirate Utopia. This is part twelve. All right. Um, Our guest today. I'm super excited to present Paul Lyons. Our guest. Uh, Paul is a friend of mine for gosh, it's been almost ten years now. I think. and we've gigged together doing AV. Uh, Paul is an amazing musician and just all-around fun dude. We've been to some fish shows together, and one reason why I'm really excited that you're on the show is Paul and I did a podcast like years ago, maybe like four or five years ago, and it was like my very first kind of like recorded talk show thing, and you were my very first guest, and we recorded, I don't know, the very first thing that has now perpetuated into like where it is now it's like an online it's an online kick it the online pirate ship so welcome aboard paul
1: thanks jesse good to see you again man
0: yeah yeah and i'm just also stoked to introduce you to aaron who's um also a great musician and also has been to some fish shows as well
2: yeah (laughs) fish brings us all together
1: absolutely they are the nexus of goodness in some ways (laughs) what have
0: like what have you been up to paul i saw that you just did um you just kind of threw up like a couple hour set that i would just really enjoyed the other day that's why i was like i got to hit up paul before i can't find him on facebook anymore um so what you been up to
1: thanks man yeah uh well uh i have been um uh doing some gigs there was uh, some outdoor gigs whilst um it was cold, warm enough um, and, uh, <clears throat> uh, I've been teaching piano, <laughs> but that's all zoom and that's really cut down, but that's all right. I'm all right with that. Um, I've cut down the student numbers have cut down, but my, my, uh, standards have gone slightly up, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I don't like, you know, I've, in, I've initiated a, uh, everyone has to keep a practice journal now this starting this year. Um, so to keep track of their practice progress, cause otherwise that's just chaos. Um, a- anyway, and, uh, I've also been doing, um, uh, it's kind of topsy secret, but a fish related art project. Ooh. Yeah. So that's been, uh, 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 I've been occupying my time a lot. So I'm not like an artist like you guys, you know, but, uh, we're definitely, I know you are Jesse, but I don't know. Are you an artist, Aaron? Um, of sorts.
2: I mean, besides music, I do, uh, I, I do a lot of events and installation art kind of thing. That's art. Yeah, that's mostly <laughs> mostly what i do besides music but yeah
0: wait before we go now. any further uh, aaron could you come down a little bit and paul can you come up okay a little
1: bit? sure check one two
0: no aaron aaron is a hello okay. dope uh electronic producer and then he's nice. also does these like um installation projects in austin where like one of a one of his things is called a dance pod which is cool because it started before covid but now it's like perfect so you have, he has like these vibrating dance floors that are in sync with the the low frequencies. So when the the sub is hitting, you're, you're feeling it on the floor and it lights up. Um, but it's kind of cool because I feel like it's going to fit in perfectly in the next couple of years as we're like getting back out there, but we're being more like virus sensitive or like just germ sensitive in general, but you still want to go dance. But then you'll have it like a little bit more isolated and safe. It's just kind of funny. It seems like it's just like perfect timing for stuff like that.
1: Are you inside a pod when you're doing that, Aaron?
0: No,
2: it's uh, it's actually, like, it's, it's essentially a dance floor. We call them, uh, the, the clever name that we're going with now is tactiles, because they're like hexag- hexagon tiles.
1: Hey. Yeah,
2: see? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> uh, cool. But they're hexagonal tiles that you kind of put together. It's like a modular dance floor with, um, yeah, with transducers underneath it. So it's basically like you're just walking on a subwoofer or standing on a subwoofer. So, yeah, that's. Yeah, so you kind of sit on them, but they kind of create a pod. But the thing is that they're, since they're modular, you can have them be spaced out as much as you want, as much as the cables will allow you. Oh, so, cool. yeah, we did not plan for uh, social distancing, but it was convenient when social distancing rolled around. We're like, oh, we can still do this. Set them six feet apart and you know you're good when you're on a pod. So,
1: Yeah, and Jesse, do you feel like air needs to come down on this volume right now? It's only come down.
0: If I, yeah, if he could, but um, yeah. Yeah, he yeah I can bring cool it down. But you sound good now. Now you sound nice and rich, Paul.
1: I'm rich. Good.
0: Like, like Howard Stern, rich.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, so let's just jump into like a, a quick, let's just let's do some quick interview questions with Paul. Oh, me? Okay. You know, I, I like Paul, Paul's pretty quick, so I like to fire, fire him off at him. But so um, let's just start with like writer's block. Or creative block. Do you deal with that? And if you do deal with it, what are some techniques that you use to get around it or to just make peace with it?
1: Oh, That's a good question, isn't it? Uh, you know, I just actually uh, watched the Neil Gaiman uh, Masterclass on Masterclass, uh, and uh, he had a really good uh, thing on it. Um, and uh, I have found this to be true. It actually was like, oh, duh, that's why I've had, like, writer's block or why I got writer's block. So what he, what he says is, like, like imagine you're going, like, on a journey, right? And at some point, you take a left turn. And you find yourself just getting stuck, and you're really eventually just stuck. And so what most people do when they get writer's block is they get stuck there. And they're stuck. And then they're trying to move on from there. But the thing is, is something went wrong previous to that point, So the the point of excuse me the point of being at writer's block is itself not the spot where you screwed up. It was actually back. So you need to backtrack and be willing to delete, so to speak. You know, Uh, you need to be willing to cut off all that junk that you that you uh, did wrong. So that's definitely. I I I feel that sometimes like oh no, that was just a wrong that just like it and you just down you're just down a wrong alley and the alley gets thinner and it gets more narrow and you th- and so most people think oh i need to punch through these obstacles and stuff but uh um i i think you need to go back back to where the juice was back to the juice that could be a movie
2: <laughs> Back to the shoes. <laughs> that's, that's your next album, uh, right
1: there. <laughs> Back uh, to before you, we, you sir. Yeah. Before
2: we go further, I, I actually am curious. So, could you give us a, a rundown of what all of your creative projects are? Like, what are the things that you do? Do you write as well, or do you like, like, what are your musical projects? What are the things that tick up that you're most focused on?
1: Okay, I'll be honest. I'm not the most like. I'm not put out the most, but I might have the most in pre-production. Of any human, <laughs> which is not a good thing, honestly. And I, I, I'm, I'm starting to like. All right, let me just really try to, you know, snip off a, 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 a chunk and put it in the, in the, in the oven and bake it, and not just be like constantly making more sourdough. So, uh, for for right now, what I, my my plan is, uh, for for this year, and I've never done this. Well, I made I've made an EP, but I've never done a whole album, and I really like to make an album, and I'm like. I have the songs written and I have them, uh, all demoed and I have them all, um, I'm, I'm basically finishing the charts now and I'm I'm polishing up the lyrics and what they're going to be. And, uh, my my plan is just to rent a studio. So it's a very, that's a very concrete plan, uh, that I have. It's a plan, but a plan is not, and not quite there yet, but that's feeling good. So yeah, I write songs and stuff. I make demos, tons and tons of them, right? I'm sure you do as well, Aaron, right? Oh yeah. right on, you know, and those feel great to make and stuff um, um, and uh, uh, I also um, have a lot of like crazy uh, like ideas for stuff you know, like TV shows and movies and stuff stuff that probably never ever get made and that's alright but um, uh, sometimes I forget what the hell I've done or do sometimes it feels like I haven't done a whole lot to be quite honest um, but uh, um, I feel like <clears throat> um I could um, I now now I feel like it's time for me to now just just to just to um make little things, <laughs> like like to not to make big things, just to do little, like things that I can actually accomplish. So, so now actually what I've been doing uh recently is um is getting back to uh learning classical music, mm-hmm. and 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 specifically like just learning always every day. The goal is to every day learn at least two to four measures. That I've never learned before at least that way I know I'm going at least somewhere and I, I feel that really helps with my uh, piano just piano playing in general I like really do feel like it it it, it um, anyway like so Bach and and WC is but I'm working on and it feels very satisfying to do that those then, guys
2: are very satisfying composers. Like their music feels really good to play. feels really good to listen to. Yeah. There's a lot of rewards there.
1: <laughs> yeah. feel. Yeah. People who don't play, like, like they can't, you know, it's like, it's like 10 times more rewarding to play it than to like listen to it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Just each and every finger movement just feels so good when you're, and so I practice that slow. And then what I've been doing is I've been transcribing uh, some stuff that actually just two fish songs I'd finished transcribing. I've always just wanted to know what, how the hell they went. Core changes, the melodies, everything. So uh, uh, I did Rift and Esther the last couple weeks. Oh yeah, Those are good <laughs> ones. And I want to do It's Ice next. That's my next, uh, uh, you know, one to tackle because it's so awesome. And uh, Stash maybe as well. Oh, shit. Yeah. So. Um, so stuff like that, and then I uh, have I have this crazy idea for a um, for like a, a music system that I want to like write a write a book for. You know, it's it, like all this stuff, but, um, and I have some musicals that I like have been writing the music for for years. And so there are all kinds of stuff. I'm sorry to keep ragging on, but yeah, it's a, it's a lot. But at this point, I'm just like, let me just do anything. So I, I I said to my girlfriend, this year is my year to like go public, which is kind of funny that Jesse hit me up you know, to like be on this on your show. But like, I'm gonna, like this year, I'm not going to be like, I'm going to be putting shit out is how I feel this year not not like just like i don't know you, There, there is this tendency amongst creators and maybe this is the point that uh, i like to share with like other people who are creators where you you're just like hung up on, on your own underwear so to speak and it's like no dude kick it out the door uh, <laughs> like when i used to uh, work at a at a sandwich shop you know you make a sandwich it, that sandwich is what it is the mustard it ends up being what it is. And you can't be like, well, it needs to be perfect. No, man. You gotta sell that sandwich. You gotta wrap it up. up smack it on the fucking counter. Give me eight fifty.
0: Give me eight fifty.
1: That's how much those costs. Eight fifty.
0: Oh, it's tough out there in Vermont. <laughs> is that where you are right now? Are you in Vermont?
1: I, yeah, I'm actually in Burlington, Vermont, which is uh, where I moved with uh, my gal who I met when I, the same place where me and Jesse met, where we worked together. We met um, so many
0: awesome people at that Omega Institute.
1: Oh, yeah. But yeah. so,
0: you, yeah, you've, to me, you're kind of like this. Uh, <clears throat> there's, a, there's a couple people that I can kind of relate to, I feel like, in a creative, mad scientist way. And I feel like you and I have that relation where it's two, two totally different types of creating but like where there's like i'm working on so many different things at once and it's hard for me to really kind of it's hard for me to narrow it down and explain what i'm doing on a day-to-day to to somebody because it's like i'm doing a little bit of this a little bit of this and a month or two later you look back and all of those days added up it comes to like okay pirate utopia episode 12 or you know whatever but so like when i met paul kind of like what you're saying like I'm surprised you don't have work out there because you are always making so much stuff like it just seems like your uh your mind is like just kind of this like reel of like it's like this like you're at a sushi conveyor belt place and it's like it's just like hey like look at this this could be a tv show this could be an album this could be a song um and I've always really admired that about you and I wanted to bring that up because I was like is that something that you realized about yourself at any point as being like not normal or saying like that you have like a lot of extra creative energy or were you just like that as a kid and you know considered normal in your family like that
1: oh um i mean i think it was a little i knew it was a little bit you know abnormal here i'll show you something i'll get i'll get out uh this this here is uh the stuff i wrote when i was uh a kid you know these are my uh my, when i broke my hand i broke my my left hand cuz i'm a lefty i uh i wrote a uh what i thought was going to be an awesome novel so here it is right here handwritten wow handwritten novel you know 7th grade 7th grade yep <laughs> <laughs> and uh it's um it's absolutely awful uh, <laughs> but uh anyway there's sorry well, i think my thing's clipping but uh uh, and then i have uh, here this is fun to show off this is uh my little comic books that now i'm actually thinking these are kind of smart uh the first one was uh the attack of the kid muncher and it was about this ki- this this guy his name is uh dr mimi which sounds like meme
2: right totally you know? right out of that yeah
1: Right, yeah, so like this idea that that meat that memes are gonna eat us, and that we're just gonna become like vessels for ideologies, which is what we're seeing right now, in my opinion. Oh wow, yeah. Uh, and so that's like you know what we put in these kid, we put kids into these factories. I remember being like a kid and be like, dude, why am I going to this hot dog factory every day, doing <laughs> turn his sausage? It was like awful. I went to Catholic school, and I you know, uh so yeah, just like I I don't know what the hell is an outlet for for that. And then I learned to play the piano, and I started writing songs. And my friends I remember the first song we wrote. It was uh it was called Big Dave, it was about a kid at school. So I play for it if you want, real quick. Can you hear that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This goes Big Dave, big as a donkey. Everyone calls him a big white honky. (laughs) That's all the lyrics I remember. (laughs) (laughs) And so just like making making that stuff up. Uh but but it wasn't I think until like high school where uh, I just like started like taking my dogs on walks and just like lyrics would come to me mm. you guys know what I mean or, or images come to you and I was just like "Ah, oh, I'm gonna write these down and uh, this this album that I hope to like put out it's literally one of those songs is literally from when I was 17 years old I just never recorded it mm.
0: uh,
1: so I don't know and stuff like that and then then it was like oh well I so I like wrote stuff and I like made songs but then like I was making comics and drawing really into drawing and I was into painting for a while you know just I kissed a kid doing stuff and then just uh, <laughs> I, have, I have I just had I have a file here it's called random ideas this is just always fun to look at what what is in here God knows what but it's always fun to look at some random idea you know like here this is my image for my s- studio someday oh yeah Gonna be sick. sick yeah oh look at that look at that two terabyte hard drive that i thought was going to be the shit no monitors though, though. like Zakaya. <laughs> yeah like sakaya yeah looks like sakaya's drawings anyway um so just uh i think I, th- I think what's different with me is i start stacking it up well, one thing happened is i um after like college i threw out every song i ever wrote and uh that was awful and i was like i'm never gonna do that again why so, did you do that I think uh i was going through like a spiritual thing like you know a spiritual thing <laughs> uh we like you know where's just like um like nothing who am i like that sort of like like non-duality sort of identity stuff being like i am not paul paul is just like a uh you know but so i'm you know coming to grips with like you know being uh, a human but also like having an identity and having creativity and but also like kind of wanting to transcend that not being like oh this is me i do this you know maybe that's why i haven't put out much because it's just like uh i i sort of uh see so that's what i'm saying like hamstrung myself with weird idea weird ideas like spiritual ideas that you think like you think like oh uh, like oh buddhists they don't do anything they just do nothing <laughs> these sort of ideas like it's like egoic of me to like be like to like make things and to put them out there and to, and to engage and to gauge, engage with the world. Mm. But so I just think that's all, that's all very confused. That's a confused young man's thoughts right there. So I feel now and I'm like, let me just, whatever. It's great. And we put it out. All I get from people is like positive responses and I'm sure you guys do too. It's like, you know, so much good comes back to you when you put out stuff. When you put out really is what you're doing. You're putting out your energy, you're putting out your life force.
2: Yeah. You know there's something interesting i feel like yeah i I identify a lot with that you know um and for a long time for me at least it was that i uh my music wasn't quite at a um at the level i wanted it to be you know wasn't ever good enough um but yeah i think for me last year i had a similar kind of thing where i was just about um like i'm just gonna put out everything i just need to like so that guy I was talking about earlier, I don't know if you heard that, but there's a guy named Seth Godin who's really, um, who's been really influential to me. And it's funny that you, Jesse, asked about uh, creative, uh, or what is it, uh, writer's block, um, because Seth Godin has a really cool riff and perspective on writer's block, um, hmm. which is basically that it's it's real, but it doesn't exist. And I think it, it, it comes down to another thing. So his his book now is called the practice and it's the practice is to ship creative work make something and ship it like it's not real until you put it out there in the world and let people engage with it and that you know he's definitely helped me in a lot of ways because i feel like i identified with you like similarly where it's like am i just doing this for self-aggrandizement am i just doing this to for my ego to you know be you know fluffed up and stuff i want love from all of these people around me you know, so I put things out. But in reality, you know, you're what you're doing by creating work and putting it out in the world to be, you know, loved or hated or whatever is a generous act, you're, you're contributing, you're giving. And so that's been huge for me to try to to switch to that sort of mindset that it's necessary, you know, if Buddha never went out and gave talks, like, we would never know who would care if he just kept sitting there in his enlightenment underneath the tree. Like, okay, that would have been good for him, but it was good for the world that he decided to step out and offer it. Now, that being said, it's difficult for us, you know, normal people who are just like, I wrote a cool song about something that I like, you know, to imagine that that might be as useful as whatever the Buddha might say. But I think in its own context, you know, you never know what what value the work that you create could have for somebody, you know. And so that's another it's another thing to think about, like, as you put something out, you know.
0: Yeah, I almost feel like mm-hmm. I, I can I almost land on the side of like putting out every single thing that I make, which is just like constantly just constantly putting <laughs> stuff out where it's like it could be maybe like reigned in a little bit because it's just like, you know, uh, quality over quantity sometimes. But then there's another part of me that's almost like, I'm so black and white in a lot of things where I'm like, I'm either gonna put out nothing or share everything. And trying to like navigate that line, you know, to get back to being like, all right, you don't have to put out everything. But at the same time, as a fan of somebody's work, um, I like to see everything that they make. And even if it's like journal entries or like what they're looking, you know, what kind of books they're reading or, to me, like, I think that's interesting. And most artists that I like and follow don't put out enough work, in my opinion, Music as well. Like, even my favorite musicians, I'm like, I can't wait for the next album, you know? Even when their, their album comes out and it's brand new, I'm already like, I can't wait for them to do more as a fan, you know? So I'm not saying that I have that many fans right now that are, like, diehard Burger fans, but, like, uh, maybe in the future, they might be like, oh, I wonder what book he's reading or, like, you know, what is what's the day in the life look like or something like that and trying to be like, maybe somebody is interested in this instead of like, nobody cares. I don't matter type of feeling.
2: Yeah. I mean, it it, it definitely seems like the way that the internet's going that that is kind of more viable, you know, especially us as musicians, like the old model that we kind of grew up with is like, you get a record deal and then you put a record out every, you know, two, three years or whatever. Some of some of my favorite musicians put out a record every five to 10 years or something. And then you tour on that record for a long time and just kind of sit on it. And so there's a lot of this pressure that like when you put out a statement like an album or something that it's got to be this grand thing that encompasses all of what you've been doing over this past year. And so it's got a lot of weight to it. But I mean, nowadays that the indus- the record industry, is kind of toppled, and we're seeing the rise of social media. Like, I mean, we've seen the rise of social media. It's like becoming much more of like, just put out a small project, just or whatever to whatever length you want, but release all the external content, release all the like demos, put out all of the live streams and all of the the it's like document. It's like we're seeing more rewards for documenting the process now because, like you said. Your fans will care. They'll like it. They like to see the like struggles and the and the whole journey. And some people, sure, they just want to hear the album on Spotify or see whatever you know, hear your song on a playlist. But the the true fans that you're really making it for, will want to like see you know, you're inviting them into your world. You know, so that's I think that's kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, that's that's helpful for me. Thank you guys. You yeah, know, that's that's good. Yeah, it's uh, uh yeah. This grand opus. There's nothing, you know. Talk about writer's block. There's nothing more writer's block inducing than the the, the you know the specter of having to produce some ungodly, humongous, frickin' grand, you know, concerto <laughs> <laughs> for five pianos uh, and two octo- and two octopuses, and it's and gonna change the world. <laughs> It's gonna oh, put yeah. you
2: in like a, a psychedelic trans like transcendental state when you
1: hear it, <laughs> and you're gonna
2: like reconnect with Shiva and like.
1: <laughs> right. Oh yeah, I remember one time I made a a, a file on a, 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 like a notation software, and it was, <laughs> it was it was just blank measures, but it was a piece like an orchestral piece. It was one thousand measures long, and it was a piece for one thousand instruments. <laughs> <laughs> Like, and, and away we go. Let me write a million measures of music here. <laughs> and it crashed the computer. <laughs> Nobody heard that music because it never got made. Not yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's damn sure.
2: Now you could probably do it on Sibelius. They could probably do a thousand, thousand <laughs> instruments, right?
1: Oh, yeah, actually probably could. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, I think, well, to, to that end, like, it was funny because, like, with Writer's Block and a lot of what I've learned from Seth Godin, because he has this whole thing about, like, how you know, you're staring at the blank page and what do I write? I don't know. And his whole thing is that if you don't have any good ideas, it's probably because you don't have enough bad ideas. So just make a bunch of bad ideas and eventually a good idea will pop out. And that's the thing is, like, we had kind of sit down with this model of like Beethoven in hmm. our minds of just like that's what you got to aim for. You got to aim for Beethoven. Like, you know, he wrote this amazing Ninth Symphony, which we can all agree on, right? That is the greatest piece of music ever written. And And you have all of this, like, weight just crushing you. And then it takes so much time to, like, Decouple yourself from all of that conditioning and be like I'm not Beethoven like I'm I'm not anything and then you actually do research and you find out Beethoven struggled with all of this bullshit, you know and all of what we think about Beethoven has been added on by you know a number like a handful of writers who describe this lone genius wandering through the world with this magnificent work and it's just all bullshit and so yeah, I, I think for me, it's very inspiring to kind of sit down And to treat it like meditation or something like every day you know when you sit down to meditate in the morning it's not like oh you meditate with this experience that you're going to receive some divine transmission and it's going to completely change everything you just sit and meditate on the moment and it's the same thing when you work on music it's like i'm just sitting and i'm going to make a song we're going to see where it goes and you know play and maybe something amazing will come out maybe something won't and I don't know, and I think that's a much more rewarding experience because then you're you let you're allowed to play. You're allowed to have fun with it and just kind of be like, Cool, this is what we made, you know.
1: Yeah, we used to at Omega, uh Sakaya and uh Tyler and I, this would be uh Jesse's ex coworkers as well. <laughs> we would do these things called five minute beats. Were you ever there for any of those, Jesse? Uh
0: I don't know. Not necessarily the five-minute beat. Oh, those are a hoot.
1: (laughs) Yeah, free. Yeah, yeah. You're in the free bin. Oh, anyway, yeah. So, or or ten minutes. But it would be like, all right, you get the computer. You can you can get it ready. You know, you can get like some like uh, instruments in the in the uh, Ableton Live set already and stuff. But once that clock goes, you get five minutes or ten to make a song. And like, actually, those some of those ten minute, five minute beats would be they became like the tracks, and we made a, we made an album, in, like lickety split, no time. I think it was in like with less than two months, we had like made a whole pretty good album that I still listen to, <laughs> you know, because it's so fresh sounding. It was all like a lot of a just like randomness, uh, <laughs> but it came out really good because there wasn't there was no you know, there's no fear. It was just like boom, make stuff. Now yeah. people. If people want me to just like put all my crazy shit I put out, all right, you know, <laughs> well, I might break the, you know, we, we might break the internet. That's maybe we, we have this, like, maybe we need to like unedit the, unedit the editing. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, like open it up a little bit more. Maybe, um, you know, because there's a lot and the, I'm sure we all have a lot in the backlog that maybe that's, now that stuff actually is probably kind of just like constipation. At that point, <laughs> like, what do you do just shit it all over the world? Like, hey, here we go. That feels better for me. Like, I don't know. Is there an is there an uh, ethic to this or is it just like whatever? Put it out.
0: I mean, I, I don't know. I, I say put it out, but like, yeah, um, you know, I, I, I mean, what's the worst that can happen by putting stuff out?
1: No, nothing at all, huh? Yeah, <laughs> really. Unless it's like uh, you know, inappropriate. But I'm sure it's. It's just, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I think I think this is very. This could be very helpful for a lot of people. Like this idea, this message. It's helpful for me today. I had no idea who I was going to be talking to, except Jesse. So, <laughs> and I didn't know what we were talking about. But uh, this is helpful. It's like, yeah, put out more. Now, at this idea of the beginning of the year to do like every day, put out a pi- like a piano improv. And uh, I haven't done it every day, but uh, I guess that's a good idea. But just put out something every day. That'd be a good goal for, for someone to have. Someone like me who's who's uh, sort of creatively backlogged. Uh-huh. Just, just uh-huh. to make a, just demand. Just to, you have to put, me and Tyler, who who Jesse worked with, uh, we did a thing last year where it was, uh, we each had to write a song every day and share it with each other for a month. Oh, wow. You know, so I've, I, I've, and I'm, I did full demos for each one. <laughs> so 30 demos in a row. Huh. Uh, 30 songs, complete with lyrics, chords. Did. What's that? You never
0: posted them anywhere?
1: No. Okay. You know? So with, maybe that'd be a good thing to do. Uh, it totally I'm, would be. I might just take this up as a challenge. You guys you have to like revisit me in six months.
2: Yeah. Yeah. In 30 days. There better 30, be 30 songs out. All right.
1: I can, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, that's the other thing about the pirate, pirate ship is like, it's not necessarily the Paul Lyons episode. You can, you can definitely board the ship more than once. Like if you do put out an album this year and you want to promote it and cross-pollinate it with like our subscribers and friends, then we'd be happy to have you on.
1: Well, thanks. Yeah.
0: So I I want to ask you a little bit about like um, your creativity and your work too, but like with COVID. So like, I was all lined up to have like my first solo gallery art show. Right. And then like COVID hits. And I mean, I had the gallery lined up. Everything was pretty much ready to go, except for like handing over the deposit and doing the last final signature. But as COVID started to come up, like it just became clear, like, you know, no one's going to go out to an art show. I'm just going to wait until I have a clear, you know, a clear green light. This is the time to do it. And um, with that, you know, it was pretty like, pretty disheartening you know it's like working on all these paintings and everything and now getting like kind of having my world close in a little bit like i just the other day got the oculus 2 i'm like doing all this like vr stuff with my paintings and digitizing them and it's like it's just really revolutionizing like how i'm gonna continue to be able to share my work like for one if you came over you could put on the headset and go through a vr world with my art in there which is sick like i would have never done that if covid didn't happen you know And then from here, I can like export videos, I can export them and they can become like video game levels. There's just like endless possibilities that you can do with that. And so I'm wondering like with your music, are you, do you feel like you want to do more like shows, live streaming? Are you doing any like gigs like that? I know you said in the beginning, like you're teaching on Zoom, but do you, uh, you know what I mean? Like, do you have any like desire to play live on zoom or you know make that type, type of thing more of a regular thing or have you been doing that
1: i would love to uh um i think that'd be a good thing to do uh yeah that would be fun <laughs> just it would spend just random going on facebook or some or whatever or band lab you guys ever heard of band lab i haven't um, no okay it's it's uh an anyway it's like music uh, creation and sharing uh, like social media blended, blended together kind of site uh, but you could do streaming on there and uh, I've done some streams on there they don't save it the stream so you have to like record it yourself okay. uh, which uh, but no it's very cool to do uh, to do live streaming I would love to do some more of that in fact I've planned to do some more of that but I kind of just haven't got around to it okay. worse uh, instead it's just like what works better is I just I just set up the laptop and I'm just going. But uh, th- this past a uh, few months ago, I got I got a really nice organ and a Leslie, Sweet. and uh, yeah, and that's all downstairs though. And uh, I was like, all right, I'll hook it up and I'll, I'll get an Ableton thing and I got my APC forty and I'll do beats and I got the keyboards and all this stuff and I got my guitar and I'll just rip some sh- some incredible solos. <laughs> I'm not very like very good guitar player, but. Uh, but that's all right. It doesn't mean I don't have fun, man. And uh, and and yeah, that'd be really fun to do. But I just haven't like done that where it's all like there, you know, all in one like like mass session. Maybe it's the same kind of thing where it's like, well, better to do, you know, if you're if I'm not gonna do that, then I should at least do you know a bunch of little just me playing the key, uh, the keyboard things like Jesse saw, you know, I'm playing some Bach and I'm just having a good jolly old time. A little jazz, some fish.
0: Yeah, we've we did a couple live stream events and had some success with it. We did one with uh, with Marcy and uh, we had like a little fundraiser, which was cool. And uh, yeah, we raised some money and like Nate played a really awesome set. My other homie. Um, it was like 45 minutes and there was like some live painting and stuff like that. But it was kind of like an experiment just to see like what it's like to do that, you know. Um, But I don't know if you're interested, like we should talk and like I don't know, try to plan something that could be a live stream event. It could be a fundraiser, could have an art breakout room. You can do a set, you know, maybe we get another, another friend of ours to play or something like that too. But like, my point is like, COVID sucks. Like, that's it's just like the shittiest thing that happened last year by far. But it has changed it and kind of presented all these different realities. Like, we had Zoom before this, and it's just like I never would have been like Paul. Let's like Zoom, you know, like. But now it's like it's kind of like it's almost normal. Like everybody's zoom in all the time.
1: Everyone's doing it.
0: <laughs> <One's> doing it.
1: <laughs> but or yeah,
0: I mean, or Discord or whatever, you know, like all of the yeah. same streaming platforms.
1: Yeah. No, it's better. It's better to. Yeah, yeah. Do like you know, like uh, adapt. Gotta, you know, just adapt to the reality of the situation just go with it yeah of course course
2: uh so we, yeah. we're creative people that's what we do that's what creativity is you know it's adapting absolutely shifting, moving
1: yeah it's like no big deal okay i can't play live you know i'll write some stuff i'll, I'll practice I'll, I'll practice i'll practice the piano I'll get real deep with it yeah <laughs> get spiritual with, man with, with wc you can get real deep Oh, yeah, <laughs> just so in that so in it like he, he makes the most like simple thing just like just so it just creates this whole lot like, like etheric space. And uh, there's no other way to do it except just just to get into that space and practice it really slowly and play it really slowly and just to like each and every note is so on purpose. It's like uh, watercolors. They like you drop one drop of paint in the in the water and spreads everywhere. It's uh, it's kind of the opposite of Bach. Bach's like you know, 50 notes in a row, and it's just brr, 50, 5,000 notes in a row, and it's like it creates this tapestry through this, through the sounds, through the notes themselves. Whereas Deb, you see, it creates the tapestry through like the, like the silences kind of all blend with the. Si- I don't know. It's it's more about the the vibe. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you know, if it's time for everyone to just get 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 inside and, and hunker down that's good too, to like become monks and to like create something really deep inside ourselves at this point. Mm. That's like, what's coming up. That's kind of what's going on with me Uh, for me, you know, uh, then that's cool. Uh, but, uh, I think maybe, uh, maybe there could be too much of that also. Right. They they become like suppression or repression or depression. Yeah. There's that too. So, uh, yeah. So, no. So that's why. Like, just the other night, it was like, okay, God damn it, I'm gonna just turn on the thing. And I'm gonna play because I've been trying to get off of Facebook, but it's just like I just really want to just play and have people be experiencing that with me. I don't know. It was something very gra- gratifying about that, and I just needed it. And I'm a person who, like, I often think to myself, I don't need people. <laughs> I don't need people. I don't want people. People are. Problem. Basically, they are a problem. You are. If you're a person, you probably are a problem in some way, shape, or form. And, uh, and, um, and, um, uh, why should, why should I want you, to, but, 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 regardless, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm somebody, I had my first girlfriend at the age of 33, you know, <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, it's just, there's just something deeper than what you think. And that's what something I'm like going through now It's like, Oh wow. Like, like you aren't what you th- like. I am not what I think I am, so to speak. <laughs> like, cause, cause that's like, does that make sense? That's like a um, contradiction. That's like a computer thinking it is like if it knows what it is, but it can only see what's inside the computer via the computer via its own programming. Let's just say thinking doesn't know being, Like feeling, so I've been trying to like get more into feeling, you know, get into like going for walks, feeling my breath, like you were saying, meditating, you know, meditating every day, doing yoga. I started this thing last year on my birthday where I said, okay, I'm going to do 30 push-ups a day, no matter what, every day, 30 push-ups. And that's not a lot of push-ups, but it is is consistency that is the important thing. And that's been that's what's uh been like good for me. It's like the consistency. And um I think that's if you want if you want writer's block, or if you want to get rid of writer's block, or if you just wanna like be a career I think I think you've you said it, Aaron, like you know like uh or I don't know who said it, but just just uh there you know, you work through your bad ideas. Just work just but uh-huh. but but uh Neil Gaiman also says the same thing that uh what's his name uh you just mentioned before? Seth Godin. Seth Godin mentions, you know, you you have to, if you want to be a writer, you have to write, and this could go for musician or artist. And the second rule he has is, you have to put out your work. You have to. You can't just write and just keep writing and keep <clears throat> keep writing. No, it's just as important to share the work. So um, that's why that's why it's like. Um, like, yeah, I've been like going really deep and just like not really like sharing it much. But just the other night, I had like a volcanic desire just to uh, find some way to share it right now. And luckily, yeah, there was the there was the streaming and people responded to it. I, don't know. I had like six people watching at once. I <laughs> it felt good. It felt like a lot of people, six people. But, you know, I don't I don't discount even one person sitting and, and like listening and watching. It and but the thing is, it definitely changes like how you are doing what you are doing, or you know, like see me, you know, it's like oh, that completely changes the feel, and it makes you have to like concentrate more. It all just amps up the realness. I love it. Can just imagine what it's like to like play or uh, you know, in front of thousands of people, or to have your art seen by thousands or millions of people. Just and to like have them like on your. You know, when you're creating something, it's like, oh, I know thousands of people are going to see this. It just really brings like a whole much like a big, much higher level. But even a few people, Mm -hmm. it's very exciting. So, yeah, you got to have that. And that's something that's something I've been like um, not not really facing or realizing then until my ripe old age of 30. What am I now? (laughs) Thirty (laughs) seven. (laughs) But to get on it. But, you know, uh, uh, um, it just feels so good to share it. That's maybe the best reason of all to do it. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, told, I totally agree with that. I feel like sharing – yeah, that's really – for me, that was I, – I, I have a lot of the same struggles. And I think, yeah, it's a, it's a really common thing because I, I had this realization too because I always will think of something and then just kind of not do it. Like, oh, I think of a really cool post or oh, I should I should post this or I should improvise on top of this beat I made or something and I'll kind of talk myself out of it but I had this realization that I'm like hiding, you know, there is this, I, I think I was reading something about like hiding does no one any good. And the fact that you you're hiding because you think you're being selfish or this or that, but you're actually you're by being brave and putting your stuff out. It is, it is generous. It is an act of generosity and it's learning how to recognize that. And like, uh, I think me and Jesse were talking about this. Who Who is it, Your friend, Marcy, had mentioned something about uh, like if you're an artist you have to create like you have to tell people about it you have to market it you have to put it out and and discuss it and there's nothing that is selfish about that you know even though like we've all of this conditioning has at least for me it, it feels very selfish to like hit people up and be like hey I'm putting music out hey listen hey check this out hey share it like Tell me if you like it, comment. Doing those things, that is a generous act, you know. And it may take time to find what resonates or what people really like, but that, you know, doing it in public, I think, is really necessary now more than ever. But, yeah, and, and the other thing, too, is like with Neil Gaiman, like, there's another thing that he said, too, where he's like, if you, you know, you, he has a big thing and a lot of novelists are really inspiring this way, where they say, just sit down and write. If you'd sat down and waited for inspiration or until you felt perfect about it, like you're never going to get anything done. And he's even said like, you know, you, you have some days where you feel on it and some days where you don't, but at the end of the novel, you're like looking back and you don't even remember which passages you wrote during inspiration or just, slogging just putting words on the page and you're like this is great was i super inspired this day or did i just write this on tuesday i don't know <laughs> you know and i think music is is the same thing like you never truly know the how, how a, a moment will resonate with the rest of your life or with your audience or or anything like that you know so put shit out
1: <laughs> i mean it's
2: like and especially when you're at the level that we're all at you know where we're still kind of finding an audience we don't already have a huge audience to lose there's really nothing that can hurt you know like data is cheap right now so you can put out as many youtube videos as you want and host them for free so like there's really no no problem with just putting it out there and learning as you as you go like each time like what did i like about that what didn't i like It's It's that practice. I don't know. I used to hate the term practice because I felt like it, I don't know, maybe it was from growing up practicing and I just hated practicing as a kid, you know, like,
1: oh, I'm playing scales over and over. I want to play the
2: cool shit. And so maybe I I didn't like that term, you know, like when whatever it is like, oh, I'm going to put out a song every day as my practice or I'm going to write, you know, a thing or I'm going to do 30 push push-ups or whatever it is. But I think the older I get, the more I like that it is a practice. It is just small gains every single day like can I put something out today can I make the world a little more interesting beautiful whatever a little more peaceful through my through my art or my actions in general
1: absolutely Jesse you seem like you want to say something for a little yeah, while I was just I'm dying I, to know what I, it is
0: I was like uh, inspired <laughs> when he was bringing up what Marcy said um, the other day She well she was like if you're an artist it's your job to share your work with people like you're that's what you that's your role like you're supposed to share it with them don't feel like it's egoic or anything like that or like selfish or whatever like it's your job to share it with them and then like for me I've always I've always hated like the idea of I mean people do whatever they want but I've always been like I'm not going to make like a a website for like Jesse's paintings and like sell prints and like make like shirts and just like you know just printify as many fucking burger shirts as you can. Like it just is like so not what I want to give people when they like see my art. You know, like I want to give them like a feeling or like a emotion or like a a thing that they'll just be like oh fucking experience. You know, so. I have been had like having more time lately to be painting and like being like I want to take this seriously, but I don't want to do like the prints and the website thing and like you don't have a website for for your work either, Paul. And so this is an interesting concept too, but. Um bringing into this into play this new oculus headset thing and like now i'm like oh dude this is a really cool way to share art with people for me like there's so much more i can do with that and it doesn't require a website it doesn't require selling anybody anything like it's just like giving people the experience and i feel like when when you give people that experience that's going to like accelerate like your path creatively like money and success and like if you get to play really good gigs or you get like a good art show like all of that i think is on the path but like you need to like accelerate yourself down it and you can't really do it maybe just with blind luck by holding it all in and somebody knows you're really talented but like you got to put some of it out to like start accelerating yourself so recently like i i, I just can't talk <laughs> freaking stop talking about the headset because it's like i'm like living in this vr world when i'm not like on the on the show <laughs> <laughs> or sleeping but um, it's just been like a super cool way to like, like, think about sharing it. Even that could be like a like an art in it in itself, like how you're going to share your work to somebody. So like, yeah, you know, like, what's what what's your plan, like, Paul? Would you like would you want to make like a website and like, or you know, are you you want to like, I don't know, how, how do you how do you want to navigate that if you're going to talk about getting serious about sharing it for 2021?
1: Good. You know, I feel like this is helping me more than you guys know. So, you know, I, you know I'm, I'm not like a celebrity guest coming on. I'm like, you know, definitely a working man's guy here. So.
2: Pirate therapy is what we're doing here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, it's good. You could, you know, check on me later.
2: We will. We will.
1: All right. <laughs> Crack the whip. I've got notes right here. <laughs> <laughs> good. I'm okay with that. Uh, all right. Well, um... That's a good question. What to uh, how to like go public? Because that's how I feel. Those are like my big words for twenty twenty one, that I kept just coming back to me. Uh, How to do that? Good question. Don't know. Do you know? (laughs) I would say try
2: uh, try several things. You know, like what you have. Like you seem to be already on this thirty day tip. You know, like you thirty push ups for thirty days, or do thirty things. Yeah. Try, try something. Do like, uh, I, for a while, one thing that I like about like Instagram and you could do it with Snapchat, but I like the stories because it's like, uh, it it doesn't stay up there. You know, oftentimes, like if I want to put out a song or beat or something like, you know, maybe later I'll be like, ah, that doesn't really fit my brand or my aesthetic or blah, 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 blah. So one, one thing I like, especially with little improv things or something, is like, you could just put a story like, Hey, check it out. I'm jamming on the piano or a live stream or whatever, you know, like every day or every week or something like that. At this time, I'm going to do a live stream. Tune in if you want, you know, and just kind of like release expectations. Because what you're not what you're focusing on is building into your habit the idea of putting something out, the confidence to put something out. And so don't worry about the reception. And then once you feel confident that you're like, okay, I put things out, I finish things and I ship them, then it's then you can start worrying about like, okay, how do I market myself better? How do I more clearly, you know, talk to tell people about what I'm doing? So like, I think the, the thing that we get worried about too often is like, I need a million followers. I've been putting something out, you know, like last year. This is a lot of what I was doing with my new year kind of planning and review of last year Like I was putting out a beat on YouTube every day for like a solid month, maybe a little bit longer I put out a hundred beats 100 YouTube videos last year and you know, I, I was trying to sell beats ostensibly and stuff and I got about like 85 I got 90 followers now on my YouTube channel there, which is nothing to you know Nothing to beat myself up over, but, you know, I was, all, of course, thinking like, I want a thousand, you know, and and I think the reception was, you know, like, so I had to deal with kind of being disappointed in that reception. But I think it's like what was more important for me is just putting it out and also learning to separate. I think this is good for like those of us. In that kind of like with a buddhist mentality or something is like learning to separate the outcomes from the inputs Like you a uh, uh, Duncan trussell has this thing. He always talks about that He got from I guess the bhagavad-gita where he says like Shiva comes to Arjuna or something I forget who's talking uh, not Shiva the other guy. Anyways, Krishna
1: I mean, God come, Was it Krishna
2: Krishna? Yeah, it was yeah, so he comes to Arjuna and he says you have the uh, you have power over what you put in but you do not have control over what you get out so don't worry if like you don't get a million followers at ever just think about your intention in how you work with it you don't you don't get to decide the external factors which i think is important in general like over your creative life it's like if you're constantly validated by external things then you're going to be controlled like, you know, you'll get some attention, maybe a manager will show up and this manager will fluff your ego up and be like, you're so amazing. And then down the line, your manager tells you to make certain decisions and you don't think about them and you end up screwing yourself over, losing yourself a bunch of money or whatever, you know, or taking just bad advice. And then when the manager like gets pissed off and you know, or whatever, that's just, a, a it could be any external thing. And I think as artists, a lot of us, we got into it. Like I know personally, I started getting into music probably because I got a lot of love from my family um, you know, from being, having a natural talent at music. And I, you know, I think a lot of musicians can identify with that. We, we do it because, oh, our dad told you know, my mom loved it when I would sing or play the, play the piano or something. And so I just kept going with that. And I got attention from people because I play music. And then you get to a point where you're like, why am I doing this? I'm doing this so people will love me. And it's like, well, that's not why you should be doing music, you should be doing whatever it is, music, art, whatever your job is, because it speaks to you and it fulfills you. And so a lot of my journey has been trying to get deep into that part. And so I think it's like having a practice like this, where you're putting something out is really an internal work. It's like, okay, why am i doing this what am i really trying to do and and noticing those desires of like man i really wish i had more followers i really wish i had more of this and doing the the digging of like why is it that i want followers what cuz there's nothing wrong i don't think there's anything wrong with wanting the most amount of followers or the biggest circle of of influence you know but understanding what it is cuz i've started to notice that there is like this idea of hiding that even though I want a huge audience and I want to make you know a lot of money from my art and my endeavors, I think there is a, a fear of and, you know a desire to hide and cover myself up um, that d- that is subconscious that is holding me back. It's the thing that keeps me from posting regularly or talking to people or making time to work on music and do other things you know sometimes you have to sacrifice like no I'm not gonna hang out and play video games with with my friends I'm gonna like go upstairs and finish up finish up a song and uh, and post it or something like that doing the dumb part the, you know posting sucks because it takes a lot of extra time that you don't really like you know making a video or you know entering the metadata and stuff like that you know but you push yourself through that you know it's kind of the the vagaries of any kind of practice you know brings with it but you know i think it's good to it it's to internalize those sorts of things i don't know, do you identify with any of that stuff paul
1: yeah yeah uh, <laughs> i was i was uh, a quote from uh, jesus from the gospel of thomas came to me when you were talking about that oh yeah uh uh, <clears throat> uh bring forth what is within wait if you here it goes If you bring forth what is within you, what is within you will save you. If you withhold what is within you, what is within you will destroy you. Holy shit. And and I feel that's very accurate that um that uh yeah, sharing express uh, you know, really sharing with people, not just like making something on my own, but really actually getting it to the people that like saves me, it like somehow saves my soul. There's something like really, uh, um, c- connecting and great about that. And then when I don't, it really like hurts. Oh, it can be physical. It could be, and then it becomes depressing and it's destructive. And you know, I was I used to be very depressed, <clears throat> and uh, that was, I could see now. It was like you know, just just not connecting with anybody and not connecting with any anything, just just isolation, ice. Uh, um, so yeah, absolutely. And you know, who cares about the output? The best reason to do it is that, that, if anything, (laughs) uh, that's the only, I mean, I, I work with a spiritual teacher. I mean, I go to his classes and I go to his retreats and stuff and I've been going to his retreats since 2005. And, uh, he is one of the most, he is, well, he says he's enlightened, right? First of all, (laughs) he says he got enlightened on a specific day and time, the year 2000 June 19th at 5 in the morning. It's like, yep, it's very obvious. I became enlightened at that exact time. You know, he knows it. He's enlightened now. This is how, then he's been teaching since then, okay? Two, 20 uh, and a half years. And um, he's, and, and I've, I worked at Omega and I did sound for six years for Adyashanti, Eckhart Tolle, Byron Katie, yada, yada, yada. You keep going on the list. I John Cabot Zinn is a personal friend of mine. Uh, we just go down the list, right, Jesse? We, just, we We've seen it all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we see them all and then we see them again next year and then we see them again next year. Every spiritual teacher and this guy um he uh uh he, he consistently has 20 to 25 people at his classes every week. No more, no less. Consistently and it's I I've actually I made a I made it a, like a basically like a like a commitment to, to 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 attend everything starting last year. I like I quit all alcohol. I quit any drug use. I quit, you know, I actually quit caffeine. (laughs) I have a list now. Chocolate. Basically, I don't eat any chocolate. I mean, it goes on and on and on, right? Trying to clean up my life and stuff. And I find uh, his teaching to be very, very helpful. And I know it touches a lot of people. I know that even though none of my family have ever gone to their class, I know it's positively affecting them because it's affecting me uh i can like i almost could like see it in my family just like ever since i started to just like get just into it it's like hmm, things have really kind of settled down here i don't know what and it could be other things There're probably many things but um but you know it's connected to everything of course like you know what and um um the fact that he you know he doesn't have a book he doesn't have uh he has a website but he doesn't have like I said, you know, you, you only get, it's not like thousands of people. Like you go to see Eckhart Tolle, there's like 600 people and they're all pissed at the other people there because they're all in each other's way to go up and ask Eckhart a question. They, wanna go, they all want to go ask Eckhart the dumbest question and we have to record it and film it. Right, Jesse? Yeah. The dumbest question. So anyway, it's just... Um, um, and I'm no, I'm. And I know, I know that I'm just saying that as a joke, you know. I mean, there's great questions too. But like, you know, I know that there's a lot of good that like big people are doing. Big people are doing big things. Michael Jordan is inspiring a lot of kids to play basketball and stuff. Great. He's also inspiring kids to go to McDonald's and eat McJordan meals. So <laughs> wear we underwear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and buy so, shoes.
0: I think the the ultimate point though of this conversation is like, it's like Jordan. Jordan didn't like get to pick that he was Michael Jordan like there's probably like five or six other people right on the same level of his skill set and stuff like you know I mean same with like somebody that's a rock star like there's so and so in you know this band but like there's also other guitarists that are just like closet brilliant brilliant people you know and they just like didn't get picked for whatever reason they're not as marketable or you know like there's so many factors that we can't really control and like I just don't think that's a good reason to like let it affect you how you're going to make your work or you know or to even make work because you think it's going to lead you to success even.
1: No, absolutely not. And and uh and on the contrary, like this teacher that I go to um uh he's uh he's very happy to only have some people to work with. It's very manageable. And uh and he treats it like it's like it's a I mean he he treats it like absolutely like it's the most important thing in the world. To him it is what he's doing is absolutely a mission it's absolutely uh he's on fire with it you know and i've known him for over 15 years i know this for a fact spent a lot of time with him and so so um that to me is like the essence of it it's like like um to be to better uh, what is there's that like phrase um uh this might this might be is this insensitive okay so like there's this phrase uh uh native american uh like uh white man make big fire stay far away be very be very cold uh uh red man make small fire get close stay warm okay that's totally insensitive i'm gonna get in trouble for that (laughs) but um i have a friend who's native american she's gonna i think she'll she'll care she's cool probably hopefully cool with it but anyway well she's from the seminole they don't they don't need fires too warm down there but (laughs) but anyway point is, is uh uh i think that's this this concept of things must be big to be good is uh, at the heart and soul of the cons of the soulless mm. consumer pop kind of you know corporate things the exact thing <laughs> that we should be antithetical to as independent you know real artists mm-hmm. like great I sold I sold five paintings this year but they're really good paintings and the people really liked them and they really you know mm. Mm, on point I made one really good soup Uh, you know just quality quality but but not not getting letting that be like I'm not gonna do I'm gonna wait till it's perfect to then put it out it's like no put it out still yeah
2: yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's such a yeah that's such a good thing for me to keep remembering you know and really inspiring to hear about that guy because it's like it's so true And, and a big part of my journey has been like surrendering the my notions of what success looks like. And really, I, you know, I think last year, I, I usually give my years a theme, like when I turned 30, I was like, this is the year of surrender. For me, I want to learn I had read uh, this book called the uh, The surrender experiment by this guy, Michael Singer, I don't know if he's ever given a talk at the Omega Institute, but he, he talked about how he started meditating and he made a commitment to just surrender to the moment and do whatever it seemed that life was leading him towards and to let go of what he thought. And I think it's so profound because I have found that by letting go of those traditional notions of like success, like, you know, you got the Spotify and all of the, you know, the million plays and you're playing, you know, the biggest stadiums and you're winning all the awards and all of that shit. Like, it doesn't just exist in a vacuum, there's a lot of bullshit that comes with it, you know, and you don't see the whole picture from your vantage point. But if you it's almost this like trust and, and it takes a lot of faith and a lot of work to get there. But when you surrender and you let life lead you to the actual vision of success that fits you, it doesn't feel bad. it feels good. And so like, you know, this guy, you know, I don't know what his history, but if he ever had wanted to be some sort of meditation teacher or spiritual teacher, you know, it's very natural that he probably would have assumed to be someone huge, like a cartoli or something. But when he finally got there, he's like, just my small community is what I want, you know, and this feels right, and it feels right to him now. And I think, even like adyashanti's journey too because he said a similar thing about like he didn't even want to get bigger and i think you hear this from a lot of the teachers who have the biggest followings is that they really relish their small community and then little by little it builds and they didn't necessarily you know that for some of them it was challenging to even want to expand from their small group of followers but i think it's like yeah just learning to be you know what what is life showing you now and how is that actually perfect for you in this moment and and relinquishing the external factors that's such a that 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 big fire little fire thing is such a huge that's such a great metaphor that i want to i want to try to remember that because that's it, it it totally makes sense you know
1: <laughs> i mean i've heard that somewhere at a campfire I've it's uh I just realized we're live on Facebook, so now I'm like, oh man, Paul.
2: I don't think it was. I don't really think it was. Your intent was racist with it, but yeah, I, I, you know, and you could probably in the future tell it in a different way, you know. Yeah, I could. (laughs) But but yeah, I think we're fine. (laughs)
1: Deplatform
0: your Facebook. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) You have no career now. No. So well, uh, um. Can we say your teacher's name, Paul, or is it? Yeah, Dave O'Shana. To... What? Who's it?
1: Sorry, I interrupt you. Uh, Dave O'Shana. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he's sure. he's from um London originally, uh, and uh he got enlightened, so he says. Uh, what is that anyway? Uh, in, in the year <laughs> two thousand, and he he moved to Finland a couple years after that, and he's been living in Finland ever since. So I've been to Finland now four different times to see him. No shit. Yeah, four different retreats that I've gone to, uh, and um, Finland's great. I've been there twice in the middle of summer and twice in the middle of the winter. It's they have this extreme, you know, like it's, it'll be either light or dark for eight, like eighteen hours a day. Wow! Uh, but uh, it's it's a uh, and I and he does an online class every week. Um, on his uh, on his website, it's a Zoom these days, just a Zoom. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, like I said, it's um, he he like he um, says that he actually like doesn't you know he doesn't accept anybody who wants to sign up. He like f- just the people who really want to be there, who are really who really really feels should be there. Uh, so the classes are rarely. It's it's odd how they're always like twenty to twenty five people just just and like last week there was, there was only, uh, like five or six people who are like regulars like me at this point. I'm a regular. There's a lot of new people. So there's, there's kind of, uh, but, but, um, I know I, I, the point is, is I know Dave is, um, really delivering what he feels to be the mo- his real true essential message. And he's very, you know, um, uh, and the fact that it's only going to some people doesn't mean it's not going to everyone. Actually, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you don't, you know, we, we don't know where what, what kind of ripples we put out are going to do. Of course, we don't we can't know that. That's like you just said. You know, you can't you can't Arjuna, you can't know the outcome. Mm-hmm. You only you must you must ride the chariot and kill these people over there. <laughs> I actually just read the Bhagavad Gita this year. I was like, eh, okay, that's pretty weird. Pretty weird yeah. story because yeah. <laughs> it's like a family squabble it's like there's like two different like families or villages kind of um uh, but you know you gotta you gotta stick your oar in and row uh there's gotta you gotta do something and that's yeah. see i think for me I, I i had this idea coming out of college I read all these i literally would fill my backpack fill it with spiritual books at the end of college and because i just discovered like alan watts one day i was like oh that's it for me and then I, I started just meditating. I'm 22 years old. I should be like, you know, riding motorcycles and like mountain climbing. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'll just sit here. I remember just sitting on my front porch uh, at college. This is like right after I graduated college in 22, just watching flies crawl over my skin. Just just allowing them to slowly crawl over my skin. I mean, because, you know, and uh, when I finished college, I moved home. Ugh. And uh, my dad's like, so you're going to get a job? I'm like, I am not my body. I'm not my <laughs> mind. I mean, he's like, and my dad's like, not going along with this program at all. Oh my god! You should
2: have been like, "Well, chop some wood and carry some water, man." <laughs>
1: yeah, right. Did you get to that chapter yet, dork? Yeah. So uh, I think I think I've been on a weird path of just a lot of self doubt and a lot of depression and a lot of this and that. Blah 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 blah. blah, blah. You know. And I think I think that's okay um, because maybe I could help others at this point. <clears throat> Um, you know.
2: Dude, I, and I, I also, like, age, like, has been such a, a struggle for me. Like, <laughs> I, it just because... Um, Wait, hold it. And I, well, because, like, as I grew up, I always kind of, I don't know, I had this identity of, like, I want to be this kind of wunderkind of of sorts. Or, like, you know, and you, you start to look at the people that you uh, admire. And, uh, okay, when they were... Oh, they came out with their first album when they were 19 or you, you get the 27 club, you know, Jimi Hendrix and all these people like they were 27. They achieved all of this shit and died early, you know, and <laughs> like when you hit 27, yeah. you're, you know, everyone thinks about that. They're like, oh, okay, Jimi Hendrix was 20, like, he died and he's already had already changed the face of rock and roll as we know it. And so, yeah. you know, and it's really easy to kind of get down on yourself like i'm not where i need to be I'm, i need to be bigger better achieve more you know and and, and it's so hard to con- like stop comparing yourself to everyone else but i, I keep holding like and that's the lesson that keeps getting hammered into my head is like your journey is not their journey like they like th- if you see someone else who's accomplishing you know there and there are even spiritual teachers right now who are in their 20s and stuff and like who have huge followings and seem to be pretty pretty fucking smart and enlightened in their own ways. And it's like, it's not for me to decide what my journey is and how long it takes me. You know, like there are definitely, I mean, bring up Eckhart Tolle. He was in his like, I think he was in his late 30s or 40s by the time he had a a big spiritual realization, you know, like there's really just some of my favorite writers like Henry Miller. He didn't even start writing until he was 39. He just always thought about it and never did it. And so it's like the age is such a, a, a dumb factor to get hung up on. And I still I still get it like but it's it's so important to let go of that and trust what you need to learn. And I feel like the more I let go of my age and I need to be, you know, I need to accomplish certain thing by a certain age or by a certain day or something like that when I release that things tend to work out just a little bit better, you know, they're a little bit smoother. I'm not as worried and I'm more able to enjoy the journey. Cause when there's this clock ticking, like, Oh dude, you're 30. Now got to get serious. Oh, you're 31. (laughs) Like time is ticking. You need to get on it. You're not going to stay young. You can't be the hot young artist forever. And it's like, that's not, maybe that's not who I am. It's not what I'm here to do, you know, and it is a tough, Realization to like let go of that identity and to and to be like no what you are is just what you are and it takes However long, you know And and whatever you are will feel right and that's the thing that I keep Trying like reminding myself that, you know, just because some some dude comes out and is like knocking it out of the park making classic albums when they're 21 and have this career and stuff you don't know what their inner life is like. These Some of these people I learn about their, what they're actually like through interviews and they're like, yeah, I'm depressed. I don't leave my house. Like I'm just, I, I just sit at home and I write music and that's the only thing I do. And I'm like, huh, I definitely, you know, like I go out and I have friends and I have a community. And when I really look around, I'm like, I have so much to be grateful for. And I'm just ignoring all of it because I think I should be famous by now. You know, <laughs> it's that, it's that weird thing. Cause it's totally external, like fame overall, when you think about it brings a lot more bullshit than it really gives you in general. And, and that's something to, to remember and to remind yourself of when you're in those throws that it's just these external sources trying to tell you who you're supposed to be. And it's like, no, who you are is where you are right now and whatever you're dealing with. And. It you know,
1: uh, it again makes me think of Jesus. What you're saying, so Jesus is in the desert, the de- the devil comes to tempt him. It's like you could be the most powerful man in the world, he- you can have all this, and he's like, nah, good. I'll be yeah. I'll be a, I'll be poor. I'll get a bunch of illiterate. I'll get twelve illiterate dudes. Hang out with a bunch <laughs> of dudes. No 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 women. Okay, one or two. They're all they're all named Mary for some they reason. Redact- they
2: redacted it. Yeah. It's... <laughs>
1: like my and uh i'll just you know i'll just do my thing and yeah probably get crucified and uh but he but hey he did it when he's young oh he was 30 yeah 30 but anyway uh i I,
2: you know i i want to kind of follow that thread i really love you bringing jesus up you know in the in these quotes i uh Cause I grew up super Christian, and so i in a way I've kind of like blocked a lot of that out. I'm like, I don't care about whatever Jesus says, I want to hear Buddha, I want to hear you know, Krishna, I want to hear all of that stuff or the weird esoteric, you know, occult shit. But I, I think it's really fascinating, um, that you uh, have quoted Jesus in some really, really interesting ways, not just about like how. You know, gay people should burn in hell or something. Oh, you
1: shouldn't touch your own penis. That be- yeah,
2: don't touch your penis. Jesus said it in this, <laughs> <laughs> over here. He gave a whole sermon on penis touching. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, i I'm, so I'm curious. What what is your relationship to uh, Christianity and Jesus? Did you grow up with with that in there, or have you revisited it as you as you've gotten older?
1: Sermon on the Mounted. Uh, yeah, I went. To- <laughs> uh uh catholic school 12 years including four four years of all boys i almost said four boys for all years uh anyway uh and uh, uh yeah you know i went to catholic school um there was actually a moment where i was uh i would call myself a born again evangelical uh and uh that that happened in high school actually it um it happened uh, on accident, because uh, I actually had a transcendental awakening uh, on a- on accident. I actually I actually did. Now I look back and I was like, oh, I totally just had it when I was sixteen or seventeen, absolutely transcendental awakening, uh, beyond uh, the self, beyond like know- knowing that uh, that uh, there is there. Just just a tr- well, I don't know. We don't need to go into it, but it was a very obvious transcendental awakening, and I can verify it because I've had others. And I was like, oh yeah, that's what that was. But here's the, <laughs> but it's sort of like. It, it it um because my mind was so but was so conditioned by religion um i remember sitting in the religion class like the next morning uh and, and being like just i literally had my first period class in high school was religion and i would just sit there and it all sort of became cloaked i felt that that whole awakening which was like a seeing beyond the self um, that lasted for like a good a good while a few days uh, that all became, as it as it sort of went away, became uh, sort of cloaked in religion, religiosity, and um, but there's this urgency to it, like uh, because it was like, wow, I've had this big thing happen, and so I was like, well, I gotta go. This is clearly this is clearly like a Christian thing, and so I, I, for some reason I got really into evangelicalism. I think I read some stuff on the internet, and uh, I like committed myself to Jesus and all this stuff, and it got real weird because I was still playing in a jam band. <laughs> uh and so they're like what are you talking about and i'd be like evangelicalizing to my you know we're playing like you know grateful dead and fish and Owen brothers and i'm like talking about the end times and you know whatever stuff evangelicals talk about so uh so and then it's it, so yeah i was like you know clearly wrestling with something and it wasn't until i discovered ellen watts actually uh uh aaron um that um where <clears throat> he really made sense to me cuz he actually was a priest yeah actually a minister but he was he was in the Ang- anglican church right and uh he same same kind of thing where he like awoke out of it and then uh anthony Demello, you ever hear of him i haven't he's great to guy to just to sit down and watch some youtube videos with anthony de mello uh he's he's somebody that adishanti talks about sometimes hmm. a very bright guy but he was a priest that had like a really strong uh awakening like an enlightenment um, and so uh, eventually I put it all together as like, especially Osho, love reading Osho books and stuff. Have you ever read Osho books?
2: Uh, a little bit. I've been getting into him a little bit yeah. recently.
1: Okay. Don't hear what, you know, don't believe everything you hear from that documentary, yeah. you know, <laughs> but, you know, but uh, I actually know some of those people from that ranch. <laughs> <laughs> oh. yeah. yeah. But anyway, um, but the, the I found the teachings of Osho to be very liberating and illuminating. And the thing is, is he actually has several books about Jesus. Where he actually goes into the Gospel of Thomas and um, and other uh, <coughs> other 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 things from Jesus's life and whatnot. He's I found what Osha said about Jesus. Here's this Indian guru. Uh, uh, I found what he said I had to say it was more clear and and uh, wise than anything I'd heard in Catholic school from the age of whenever on. Actually, can I tell you my, my first like my first memory of being in church when I was a kid? Was th- sure. Three years old. So this is quote from the this quote from the Gospels, and it, it's like I don't know who's saying what to who, but uh, it's like, uh, so here's the thing. Okay, I'm a little kid. I'm like three, <laughs> and I remember just being like, because I can. I remember because I was fascinated with knowing I was three. Because I was like one, two, three. <laughs> like I remember sitting on the toilet and being like, I'm three. <laughs> okay, anyway, uh, and uh, <laughs> just, that was that. Three. Okay, so I'm looking. I couldn't see because I'm three. Oh, that's a song. Uh, and uh, there's big people in front of me because everyone's big when you're a kid. And um, I'm, I couldn't see the priest. I didn't see what was happening. So, But I'm at the end of the aisle, so I reach my head into the aisle like this. And uh, I'm like poking my head out the aisle. I can imagine that, like a little kid, the only kid. And um, all of a sudden the priest says this. If you cannot see, open your eyes and see. Like it's... <laughs> it just happened to synchronize with this moment in some like reading i don't know i should know what it is and it it was like oh and i just pulled my head back in slowly right <laughs> and it's like uh i don't know why i brought that up but it was just like uh i always i always felt that, that that like um there there wasn't anything like very there wasn't anything really helpful in 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 catholic in any of that catholic stuff that i got Uh, I didn't I didn't but I will say this Uh, when I was in high school. I read the Bible. i read the Bible and um, um, It wasn't that there was a specific teaching in there that got me, but there was a vibration (laughs) that I felt in my body Literally felt it and I felt it was uh, very wholesome that was like plugging up like all sorts it was like patching me up in some way and uh, when I would when I would meditate on the word God on just the word it would take me into this really deep, tr- like, state. And um, uh, just, it, it was, like, beyond all-knowing. It was, like, this sense that, like, of, of the of the incredible mystery of being. Just purely beyond all-knowing. And I just thought that was really fascinating. And so when I, like, read Osho and I, and I found out, oh, there's this guy Osho and there's this guy Buddha who got enlightened, Osho got enlightened. Buddha got enlightened, and then it just kept, it's like, oh, Jesus was an enlightened person. Like, that became my new kind of, like, mental fixture. And that might also be, like, a like a, a false mental fixture. No problem. I'm okay with that. But that really helped me out. Then, when I, st- like, then I was like, cool with everything Jesus said. It was like, oh, cool. Jesus is saying really great stuff. Um, and really wise things. Um, really helpful. And I, I honestly, um, I am blown away at some of the stuff that Jesus said. I just think he was extremely uh, wise and ascetic person uh, for that time. Uh, Profound influence. But, um, uh, but am I a Catholic? No, I'm not. No, (laughs) but I will go to church and I will eat the wafer just so my mom doesn't feel bad, but (laughs) you know what I'm saying? But so I'm really, I feel really lucky that I found all that, that, there was, like, you know, there were, that there were people like Alan Watts and people like that, who, like, left a trail of breadcrumbs. Um, because I think what, I think if you have been raised in, like, a Christian society and stuff, if you can find people like that, then you can go back to enjoying, really, literally just enjoying the teachings of Jesus and not feeling like you have to go along with the teachings of the, uh, the evangelicals. Because I think the evangelicals are a dangerous cult. it's my opinion and and i'm because and i know that as somebody who was kind of in it for a while uh because they they say that in order to um become um to be saved all you have to do is is say a prayer is turn turn your heart over jesus and even if you're a sinner you know the blood of christ has washed away your sins well what does that you know what does that say about like responsibility
2: Well, yeah, it's also like a second, uh, like a a, was it a double standard? Because they Mm -hmm. preach all this forgiveness, you know, and then when it comes time to actually forgive, they don't want to do it. It's like, Mm -hmm. sure, you have this code of uh, like this unspoken code of ethics now uh, that's underneath it. So you're forgiven and all that stuff. But then if you drink alcohol or you're gay or you do this or you do that, you have sex before marriage or whatever, you're going to hell. So you mm-hmm. like, it's this weird kind of backwards thing. All you have to do is believe. And then once you believe, you got to completely change everything about your lifestyle and completely fit into this one lifestyle that is, has, that we just decided. That's not written in the Bible for sure. <laughs> you know, they kind of just, it's just made up, you know, through years of it's, it's a different kind of cultural thing, you know, which I, yeah
1: yeah so to be able to be someone who can uh there's this idea of transcend and include you ever heard this concept
2: yeah yeah that's uh uh yeah what uh what's his name um i, I can't remember yeah i've heard the, i've heard the theory i can't I, the guy's name is escaping me right now but ben yeah.
1: filbert no i mean ken wilbert sorry
2: ken wilbert that's it yeah
1: <laughs> so uh uh yeah so this idea that uh um you're like the path of so there's you know to, to bypass things that's where you're transcending but not including what you have come before so I think it's very important to uh, to integrate this integral theory is where he comes from so so to integrate all your parts so so my thought when I first got into spirituality and into like music uh, like when I really start was like I, I need to like go up the ladder as fast as I can so to speak um, and I found myself getting really thinned out that makes sense i found eventually i was stretched and -hmm. it was like oh i'm totally not connected to my roots um and my roots are hey i'm like well there's a lot of roots but you know i did go to catholic school and stuff and that's all that's all right i felt like like to just cut myself off from all that was not good and so yeah so to be able to like be like yes i went to catholic school yes i've read the bible yes i'm glad i I'm I'm glad I know some of the stuff from the Bible. I'm okay with it. Yes, I love Jesus and Jesus loves me. Like that's all right. But, you know, don't fuck with me cuz, you know, I'm I'm not maybe as nice as him. You know, what I mean, like I'm my own person. But uh I'm just saying that uh there's this um uh like you said, you just you, you you just are you end up being what you are uh instead of uh trying to be somebody else or something else. Very much. I think it's very much if there is a movement that I'd like to be a part of is just, is just the um, the coming home to oneself and then living as that self. Even if I'm just a a guy in a in a you know very unknown. If I'm very unknown, I'm very satisfied and happy. That's way better than being very known and very unsatisfied, and very unhappy. It's the Kanye West. Kanye West went to high school across the street from where I grew up, from my my home in Chicago across the street. That's cool. Literally, either high school across the street, that's where Kanye West went to high school. Oh, yeah,
0: Shout out Kanye,
1: yo, Kanye, <laughs> yeah, if you're listening, Kanye, <laughs> and I like Kanye's music. I think I personally observe an unhappy person when I see Kanye West, that's what I observe. so
0: Okay, I, I really like Kanye West as well, uh, for many different reasons. I just think he's like such a mold breaker, and uh, I think he's just his, has like undeniable confidence like second to i don't know maybe like donald trump literally like there's not that many people that are that confident yeah but also how he speaks about like uh having mental health issues and like not saying that he's like cured himself but saying that he goes up and down Mm -hmm. and makes albums about it but then his latest album was uh it was kind of like a gospel album did you hear any of that stuff i haven't heard yet oh okay Well, there's some, there's literally like gospel music with choir on it. And I think it's beautiful. I think it's really, really great. And um, I went to Christian school, private school to like fifth grade. And we had chapel once a week. So we'd all go in there. We all be singing with people playing music. And I used to love it. I thought it was great. like It was very uplifting to like sing songs about praising God, praising Jesus, whatever. But then we left and when we went to public school, all the, you know, public school kids were like, Oh, you like Jesus, you know, that's about like, all the stuff with the priests and, you know, filled me in about why Jesus isn't cool to like, you know. And so from then on, I kind of just was like, Okay, there's Jesus. And I went to that school. And I never really thought about it. But as you said, as I got older, um, you know, more and more people would talk about it. And I would just be I was turned off. And it wasn't until I got a commission as a painting and somebody had commissioned me to paint this experience they had that was a high experience in Christianity and they had written this whole description and I was really struggling with this painting and it wasn't until somebody was like hey you have a Jesus thing like you have an anti-Jesus thing you know and basically broke it down like he's just another enlightened dude and it wasn't until I like came full circle to be like oh my god I've hated Jesus and like not been able to hear any of the good goodness in the bible you know there's good work in there just like there is in any religion um and then like coming full circle to realize that I had had like this whole wall up against that is, it was really humbling. And now I can see it in other people when they get really turned off by Jesus. So with this Kanye West album, you know, like I thought it was really cool that he put it out and he's doing this choir stuff, but I've shared it with certain friends of mine that have been like, oh, that's gospel music. I'm immediately against it. You know? And it's just like, huh? Like there's a serious blockage there for what reason? You know, I mean, I I guess like you can have your own opinion about Christianity and the Catholic religion as a whole, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't know that it's like, I don't know that it's like as, as people like, you know, even like you're describing it, Aaron, like, okay, if you go to this church, like, do you necessarily have to like fit into all those things? I mean, it's like, I think it's people that are like making an effort to live a good life in a community. You know, like I don't know that every single one of them was like not had sex before marriage or like didn't drink alcohol or didn't like live their life just because they go to a certain church.
2: Yeah, I, I feel like it's definitely all of the external cultural stuff, because, you know, if you think about it, like when you really get it, I'm I'm actually really fascinated with the actual history of Christianity and how it like kind of started and the real documents that we have, because it's like catholicism which is basic was was christianity all of it for a very long time is really not similar it's more similar to rome like in the roman religions than it is towards whatever jesus would have actually been practicing or the early christians would have actually been doing it's very different and it's and christianity is like that evangelicals like that's a very different culture than christianity because a lot you know it was just Different people, people who were not Roman, you know, like the Lutherans, like they were just they turned it into whatever their kind of Germanic culture would have appreciated more than a Roman, you know, resplendent Roman culture. And same when a lot of the American Protestant churches sprang up and started adding their own cultures to it. And it's really just like you have a a base set of kind of scriptures that people interpret in all of these different ways. And it's all based on different translations and stuff. And you see, it, you know, you see the same thing with Buddhism and Hinduism, like there's still just all these different sects who believe all these different things and different ways that you're supposed to live. And they, they call it spiritual, but it's really just different moral codes that they created to exist in their own time and place. And they're trying to extend those to different times and places where they don't necessarily fit, you know, and so I think, like there was there and there is a lot of wisdom in jesus but we get turned off by the other cultural things that we attach on to it and so the original messages have been lost and i think i don't know it really hit me hard like what you're saying paul about like transcend and include because i think a lot of us who were raised like i was raised evangelical i was raised southern baptist and so a lot of people in america who were raised like that And we kind of find that we didn't fit in or it didn't quite encompass, you know, like I, for me, it was like, I had a lot of other questions that evangelicals didn't answer, you know, or didn't want to. And so like, I kind of move away from it and we do come away with this just bad taste in our mouth and we want to cast it away and destroy it all. But at the end of the day, like any kind of Buddhism or, or any kind of Eastern religions like spiritual teachings, they were designed and written for people from those cultures and the thing is that we all come from like at least the three of us come from a more european style culture and so it is important for us to kind of integrate those things and be like oh you know what 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 buddha was saying here what these zen monks were saying here you know these various different culture you know wisdom traditions around the world like i'll take some of those things. And then I'll also take the the rituals and the, the wisdom from my tradition that I can frame it and understand that it's kind of all saying the same shit, you know, and to integrate things. That's why I'm like really fascinated by you, including like quotes from Jesus and stuff, because it's also a way that I can open up boundaries to like, say my family who is still very Christian and believes, uh, you know, very hardline Southern Baptist thing, it's like, if I can bring a quote and be like, you know, Buddha said this, but Jesus said this, and they're really not against each other, you know, and, and like, you know, you go back and Jesus, there's remarkably little things that Jesus himself actually said about what your lifestyle should be and it, like the craziest thing for me was like jesus hung out with prostitutes and you know tax collectors and shit like <laughs> who which of you are hanging out with prostitutes? Like, you know, like that does not seem very jesus like to me You like preach about being like jesus and it's like do you hang out with drug dealers and prostitutes or anything? um, but uh, you know and I think even going back like to Kanye, like I heard someone describing it. It might have been on like a, a podcast. They were describing like he's making church cool again. And I think that there, like, there was a time when religious music it, it's been like it, like for instance, Bach. Bach wrote religious music. All of his music was written for religious services, and in name at least, in the name of God, for praising God and praising Jesus. And I think there was a time when religious music was about trying to get to that like transcendent sublime experience of you know like oh my god that's why the cathedrals were built so that you had these like reverberations that you never would have heard in any other way unless you went found like some giant cavern it it felt mystical it felt transcendental you were just the beauty of the statues and the glass and everything was designed to just be like oh my god I'm having a transcendental moment leaving my body and experiencing something greater and you know a lot of that has been lost for me what made me sort of really drift was the music like the music of of Christian music that I grew up with was so bland and had no This was the emotion, you know. You stick, oh Jesus Christ, you know, and stick your hands in the air and just, I'm feeling it, you know. Someone might stand up. That was the most, you know, ecstatic anyone would get. And like, I wanted that ecstatic experience. I still crave it. I still want that. Like, oh, I'm losing my shit, and you know, I mean, we've all been to fish shows. To me, that feels just as religious in its own kind of way like I can just remember moments at a fish show, like the lights are going and they're they're in some crazy jam and I me and my best friend are sitting there just screaming like <munics>
1: <sert> <florals> you
2: know there's no words for what what is going on and to me it's like you could it's it, to me religion is just about taking those ecstatic non-ordinary experiences and trying to create a framework so that you can interact with the world after those and with those in reality. You know, it's like, how do we integrate that? And uh yeah, and I so to me it's like any kind of religion has to include that pursuit of the ecstatic in some way. And it's important not to throw the baby out with the bathwater. That any like some of the, they're all based on some sort of wisdom thing that gave people an ecstatic experience. And you know like we're all really just kind of chasing that and trying to ride that wave towards whatever
1: <laughs> whatever ends we don't know yeah you gotta but, throw in yeah. that bath water and get to get to the delicious baby inside yeah <laughs> get rid of that bath water oh man
2: baby bathtub gin
1: <laughs> baby jesus mm. yeah, but- <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah i mean I, I let's since we're all at fish i don't think we talked about fish the last time we had another fish head on like what how did we all like do, do, does any of that factor in like because I, I like jam bands I, to me does have a very religious aspect you know it's really like people go to these concerts and just like i'm ready you know take me there you know do, do you guys identify with that
0: Oh, for sure. For sure. Definitely. I think uh, maybe not, I wouldn't say every single fish show that I've been to has like gotten me to that space, but sure. I mean, I could probably count at least four to five experiences that are just like, kind of like what you're saying, Paul, like when you stuck your head out in the aisle in church and it just was like, everything synced up and it was just like, you know like it's like the special meteor on Tony Hawk Pro Skaters is going and you're just like <laughs> you know, or you're like just DDR and it's just like excellent like you're ridiculous you're just like hitting every single thing <laughs> and it's just like keep going you know uh and that type of shit I just think is like that has to be what it's like to you know have a high it is what it's like to have a, a high experience whether that whether that's through religion you can do that through meditation or yoga you can do that through sex you can do it through drugs you can do it through art and music and i, I think it's all kind of the same chord. um i mean granted you know if you're like in the pit at a fish show up that's next to some wook and there's like some girl with armpit hair down to here to see you that's gonna have a different feel than like you know going to a mosque or something like that you know what i mean but like i do think it's like you're able to it's just like a different avenue you know, and like I've never been one of the I've never been one of those people that satisfied like going like I have to go to every single fish show because this is my avenue and I'm dedicated like I've I've always liked to spread it out and like sometimes check out a yoga class sometimes check out different things. Um, and that's kind of helped me be more well rounded but I definitely think it's like an avenue to, to, you know, to get you to that righteous place or I don't know what do you think Paul Paul Paul. I, I mean the couple of shows I've been to with you you go nuts at the fish shows for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh if, somehow it's uh it uh it, like you said it's sort of like brings me to like a happy place. And when you're talking just now um it made it made me realize that like oh like uh what I feel like what the ultimate art would be would be like the art of living so like uh instead of being like oh i make uh you know i'm miserable for six dollars a day and then i make my happy art and then i'm miserable again and then i go sleep, <laughs> you know but it's like oh the art of uh waking up in the morning like oh boy what am i gonna do today maybe write my journal and i'll get my day ready oh boy and i'll make a smoothie yum yum <laughs> you know, just like just to live that way like to so that every single thing is an art i think that's the ultimate thing and when i go to the when i go to the fee shows uh it kind of. <laughs> It kind of reminds me of that because it's like look driving to the show is part of it right that's the thing about fish shows people don't get is like it's all part of the show oh. <laughs> like the, you know driving to the show with your friends that's part of it getting lost on the way that's part of it that's what <laughs> happened that's happened to me one time my friend's car broke down and so we had to have his mom drive us <laughs> to wisconsin <laughs> his mom waited for us in the parking lot the whole time. Oh. <laughs> what an angel. She was doing so many whippets. Oh, yeah. She was like, you boys go have fun. She's got like, <laughs> like, bong. Anyway. Well, but that, like, yeah, you know. Because, like,
2: sometimes you don't get a ticket to the show and you're like, all right, I guess I'll just hang out in the lot and you're having a better time than your friends sitting inside the show, you know?
1: Yeah. Oh, this one time at, at SPAC, uh, I didn't have a ticket and I uh, um, ended up in the pouring rain sneaking into the show and that was more fun than anything that was you know like so anyway so the fish there's something about the fish community and the fish like vibe there and, and the music and the concerts but the whole like thing becomes it's all part of it and i think mm-hmm. you know for me that reminds me of, like oh yeah like you know uh it, it, it like can lead you know it can stick around for a few days um <clears throat> and uh uh I think that's the essence of it. I remember being my first fish show. was 1998. I was 15. My dad had to drive us. This was in Chicago. UIC. And yeah, my dad drove us, and uh, my dad picked us up. And we were sophomores in high school. But, like, it was just, just, like, the park, just the lot itself. Just going to the parking lot was so exciting. And just, like, see all the people and meeting all the people and stuff. Like, that is... Like you don't get that at any other like well maybe some other shows but uh, a lot of other shows like Conning Crows I don't know if they have that kind of scene there or something no, right? no. I'm not trying to by the way I wasn't trying to bash Kanye and at all I don't even want to bring up Kanye I'm just saying he's somebody who got really popular and I see him kind of like lashing out a lot I'm like why is he lashing out <laughs> I just wanted to tra- track back on that but yeah so for me like fish is uh uh, uh Like a really just a like you know it's the essence of this like positive bubble that um, they emit. I really do think that those guys um, and I've met two of them now um, because I live in Burlington. This is where they you know this is where started. So um um and uh, they're just they're just people like you or me you know us and um uh they they just in in their little four man squad they they create like a vibe and it becomes like a hole, just like the donut that's like the fish donut thing right it becomes an opening <laughs> they create an opening and something I think comes through and uh, uh, I don't know what that is I've sometimes wonder if it's ancestral like if it's connected to their ancestors some energy that's coming through them via their ancestors I don't know that's what I've thought sometimes um, or if it's come or I've sometimes I've felt the energy of Jerry Garcia around uh, Trey I've like yeah. felt Jerry there or whatever. Um, at least that's what I think I felt. And, uh, uh, um, you know, and, but I do think an opening gets created. They allow and they invite and they create through a practice of, of specifically jam band music is specifically calling for something to come in, something mm-hmm. new nobody ever heard before. And so it's like, well, the same way with jazz. Jazz is the same kind of thing where you're calling in something. Um, and I remember when I first learned to play the piano, I literally felt like I was channeling like blues blues music was coming through me. Like I knew what to play. Like, cause it was like, I could already hear it. It was like literally like a transmission from like the old blues guys coming into me. So it's mystical. But I do think that there's something mystical going on at the shows. to be quite honest. And, um, uh, and so their whole crew that they've created, they're so like, they're so like cohesive and stuff. It's not just a bunch of people they hired. Like, Oh, we'll hire a bunch of a-holes. It's like, no, like, uh, Chris Kuroda, like their light guy. He is he's part of the band he you know everything they do is like they've they've created they've like transcended and included as they've gone like like they started off you know just a few blocks from here is uh, the house where they um, lived in and across the street is this old milk factory you know and instead of being like oh what's with these fucking milk trucks driving by every day you know, they write a song called Harry Hood. And it becomes, like, a thing. Oh, Harry Hood, do you know? <laughs> uh, that's that You know? And that was back in 1986 or something, 85, where they just, like... And they brought that with them the whole way. They've never been, like... They've never, like, cut themselves off. From like, you know what? This is our new direction. It's like, no, man. They're still playing Harry Hood. And it's still... And it, it becomes deeper. It becomes more every time they play it. Mm. They explore a new avenue of it they never knew. So I do think that in Jam Band Music, and spe- specifically probably from The Grateful Dead just people taking a bunch of acid, and they're just like, ah! You know, it's probably where it started a lot of it, you know? Um, but, but there's, like, an opening. And uh, and the crowd is on that level. They're ready for the opening. And uh, everyone's ready. Everyone's inviting something big. And I do think it is a re- it's very similar to what a true religious experience should be. As opposed to knowing, oh, you know, about God. I know about this about God. Like the Quakers, don't they just sit there? And they, like... Oh. Yeah. They just sit there and they listen and they observe and wait for something to happen, I think. Or like, uh, uh, you know, the Buddhists, they just sit there and they wait for something to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think
2: there's, there's like, you know, I think it's very easy, especially, you know, like the Catholic church Mm -hmm. gets, I think a bit too into the ritual, you know, they get too like, everything has to be exactly the same. And I think what's really nice about other types of like, you know, religious services, if you could call maybe a fish show or a jam band show that it's like, it does have a bit of a structure. You know, there's the day leading up where everyone kind of shows up and gets ready. Then then you go in, then they play, you know, like there's the intro and then they start, there's two sets. There's one set that plays a certain number of songs and they take a little break. Then there's a the second set they take a little break. And then there's the, the encore, you know, and all of this stuff kind of, it's like, there are these very segmented chunks, but within there, there's so much room for things to happen. And there's so much about like, okay, we have these sort of rituals that go in place, you know, Fishman always wears the dress, you know, and they have different things that they'll kind of bring back and forth. But yeah, within that, it's kind of just like anything might happen. And we're allowing, we have like, we, it's kind of the same thing when you meditate, it's good. Like, to have a bit of a ritual, like I sit in the same place every day, or I do it at the same time every day, or I repeat a month, whatever it is, you know, you have a, some sort of ritual, basically telling the universe, like, okay, I'm entering this sort of phase. Now I'm just going to see what, what arrives. And yeah, it's like every fish show is a little different. You never know, like, you know, like you might be in a fight with your friends or you get lost or something happens or yeah, like, you have a bad trip, whatever, but it all kind of adds up and, and it just equals whatever you take away from it, you know? And so in that way, it kind of, yeah, we're you, you surrender, you know, to whatever it is.
1: Yeah. And, you know, and that's the thing I was saying about uh your whole, your whole life could be like a fish show. You're like, all right, I'm going to, and, and specifically creating art, creating yeah. your music, creating your art. You're like, all right, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to show up. I'm going to be here. Uh, uh, you know, it's like that book, War of Art. you Ever heard of that book? Oh yeah, so good. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, you know, so he just like shows up, and he, and he knows that there's gonna be a lot of things that want to distract him. A lot of like forces, evil forces. That's what he puts it in the, the book. The resistance, right? Yeah, the resistance. Yeah. The yeah, resistance, and that's the war. Yeah. And and the doubt and the and the blah 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 blah, and it yeah. and uh uh, yeah. So like, but just like, um. Like being, like doing dishes, doing dishes could be this wonderful, you know, like wonderful experience. It could be, you know, I think think that's what they're trying to do in like in in monasteries, Buddhist monasteries. They're like, all right, chop wood, carry water. Like, you're in, in, like, what do you, you know, there's every time you chop wood, it's a different thing. It's a different way to chop wood. It's a different way to carry water. So it's always, there's never the same thing twice, actually. It's just our minds that think that. I'm not even the same person I was starting this interview neither are you two.
0: Right. Right. Yeah.
1: Nothing. The The river, there's no, what are the, Something about the river? You can't step in the same river twice.
2: Hmm. Well, it's and I think there's also something too, is like, you know, tying, tying it back to kind of where we started is this like fish kind of commits to doing lots of shows or they commit to little things. Like for instance, I, and and you see this and I think this is why they have such staying power is because they didn't, they're, they're more concerned about the process, about the yeah. practice. Like
1: yeah. <laughs> they
2: write a they, they come up with a different set list every show, even though they don't have to, you know, and that's, that, that's like one of the big things is like, they commit to always pushing themselves, always changing, no matter what. And they kind of are in this, like, you know, we might be playing giant arenas or, you know, maybe it turns out that we're not cool anymore. And we go back to playing clubs, but we, we are committed to our process of interacting with each other. And if we can allow that, like our practice of that and to share it with the world and inspire the world and help other people and, you know, just be a vehicle for, you know, some amazing experiences, then all the better. And I think it's like just committing to putting shows out or picking a process and just like this is what we do, you know, and maybe that's a lesson for us, you know, even when we don't have giant followings, but it's like, it's more about the process. Like I'm going to commit to putting out a little video every single day, you know, for a certain amount of time, see what I learn. see what I gain, and just put it out in public. And maybe, maybe it creates an experience for someone, for me, for anyone, you know?
1: Absolutely. Oh, I was wondering what it said behind you, Aaron, the whole time. It's missing the A. I can't find it. I just moved. (laughs) I can't find the the last A, but I wanted to put it up anyways. Uh,
2: So so I I always know who I am.
1: (laughs) I was guessing, is it uh, Axiom? Is it Avon? Uh, Yeah. The N is actually a W that I cut the part off. Oh, okay. I got it at a gig.
2: Actually, it might have been with you, Jesse. We were working an AV gig, and they had a bunch of these styrofoam letters. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like oh wait can i spell my name i totally can <laughs> they're throwing these away anybody want them like yes i'll take those <laughs> nice dude that, that was, gotta embrace your ego you there were
0: some fun gigs in austin dude I, I have to say i did some really <laughs> fun gigs there did you do the alien did you do the alienware one
2: no i wish in i South,
0: had southwest they had like an alienware vr thing ah oh, dude it was so cool i don't know <laughs> there's not everyone was obviously most of them were pretty shitty corporate like companies that nobody cares about but every once in a while there were some fun gigs down there
2: i at least had a good conversation every gig at least one maybe not all of them but you know there's yeah, always so, some yeah. kind of good combo to have there's yeah. some cool people to talk to but yeah how long we've we been at this are we at uh
1: we're close to two hours. That was pretty good. Two cool. hours.
2: Yeah. yeah. I feel like that was good, man. I really liked where this conversation went. It was great to meet you, Paul.
1: You as well, Aaron. Thank you. That's fun.
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. When you figure out uh, what you, uh, how you want to put your stuff out, uh, we'll include a link in the description and I'm going to put some links up to some of the the teachers that we've met and, and or talked about here. And, uh, and yeah. Yeah, definitely keep us up to date when when you put out that album. We're going to get you back on here. Crack the whip, see how see how dedicated you've been to putting out music.
1: <laughs> I love it. I think that's really great to have uh accountability buddies and stuff. Yeah.
0: So what do you what do you say to trying to put on like a live show between now and like in the next 30 days? Would you be down for something like that?
1: i'm up for it uh uh like on the zoom or on uh YouTube yeah we'll or do something. it on zoom
0: and we'll Facebook. record it and we'll just it'll be like a pirate utopia presents you know and you could be you, i don't know maybe ask tyler if he wants to play too or uh we could ask some of the other boys that are, or or g- girls from or human beings i'm sorry I'm, I'm still learning all my vocabulary on uh 2021 gendering <laughs> i mean it sounds silly but like i live with a roommate who's trans now and like is not until that it's in my face that I'm just like, wow, I just say guys and girls and like, don't include the whole spectrum of people that are out there now. So sorry, yeah, folks. If you're there and you're offended <laughs> if you want. But that, that my point is we should do a live stream. If you want to ask a couple other people to play or you have an idea or want to just do solo, I don't know. We should just like keep spitballing it.
1: Um, I think that'd be very healthy to just go ahead and, you know, do some stuff. Yeah. Play, for people, yeah. sure. Oh, I'll ask Tyler.
0: Play with somebody else, like online. Does that work?
1: And it's kind of, uh, it's d- that uh, it's not really there yet because it's like laggy still. Yeah, you know? yeah right, right, okay. Uh, but they're they're working on that. But gotcha. Uh, there is a there's a group of people here. Maybe we could just like play together. The masked, the the masked ball. We could all wear masks and play together. Dude, let's do that. Okay, I, ca- I just yeah. got a text today. It's actually, uh, what? uh uh some really good musicians uh, the guitar player from dopapod he looks oh, really yeah Dope-a-Pod's sick yeah so so him rob he he he, and uh some other like really good musicians in town has got a text like yo let's have a jam session with a ma- with masks on. i'm like all right that sounds great so that'd be cool to uh broadcast that huh
2: yeah
0: i mean if they're down we'll look right, we'll it up we're just because we're, we're trying to build our little platform just to like keep putting out content and then eventually have a channel that people are like can kind of thumb through and you know be like wow there's 50 hours of content on here whether it's live music or it's just podcasts or whatever
1: sweet that's good just like build something right yeah yep we're kind of doing exactly what we were saying
2: we're just putting shit out there and we're just gonna keep learning and putting it out and yeah we'll figure it out as we go you know
1: well, I certainly feel that this was helpful for me. I felt very, uh, a lot of a lot of good things happening in me to just now. I, I, I just, it felt good. So thanks.
0: Awesome. Yo, thank you so much, Paul. Uh, it was really great to see you. It's always like, feels like no time has passed every time I catch <laughs> up with you, but.
1: I feel the same way, yeah.
0: <laughs> much love, brother. Thank you so much. much.